0: Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent, of the podcast. John,
1: how you been? Hey, Tommy, really, really good. And and look, we got to get the elephant out of the room and into the podcast. And the Tigers should have won last week, and we were very, very fortunate to beat you. But it was great. It must be painful because they came so close.
0: John, and you know what? I thought to myself. I've got a few friends that are Rabido supporters. And John, you know what they did? They decided to send me messages at 9 35 p.m. Many of yeah. them I hadn't spoken to for a while. And they yeah. said, Tommy, you thought you'd won the game when Luke Brox put the ball under the line, didn't you, Tommy? she's some nasty people
1: (laughs) yeah that's tough though i mean and look real estate's the same i've been talking to a few agents this week and it's tough that a few few of my agents and, and the really good ones have missed four or five listings in a row and you know when you when you miss a listing that you really wanted or you miss a few in a row or you miss a game of football that you should have won in the last minute literally um it's very, very hard. So I think you know we often talk on this podcast about the need for mental fitness, mental toughness. Yes, it's important to give great service. It's important to have great product knowledge. It's important to have your skills mastered, but it's also important to be able to deal with the inevitable challenges that come with this game of real estate. It's a mental game. So, yeah, I mean, I did, I did think I didn't, I didn't uh, want to uh, upset you any further by texting you that night, but I think you guys deserve to.
0: Well, you've done. You've done you've, you've 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 done you've done that before. I remember we played the Warriors about six months ago, or late last year, and you they they, they got they got smashed by thirty to something. And you said that's appalling, Tommy. What do you think? You
1: know, that's what <laughs> I think I also I think I was also midway through uh, signing you up to a Rabbitohs membership. I was going to send you a free Rabbitohs membership to that day, but uh, nonetheless. Now, quick one on Eric. But- I spoke to Nicola this afternoon because a, a dear friend of mine. Who's launching a new real estate product? Um, rang me and he said, "I oh, can. Can we get into Eric? Can you give me the prices?" So you know, I hadn't touched base with Nicola on the on the trade expo for, for a couple of weeks, and I just said to Nick, "What are the best booths available and how much?" And she said, "John, they all sold out a week ago." And I thought, "Wow, that's cool." And then I said, "What about uh, tickets?" And she said, "Yeah, we're sort of heading to two thousand sales, and we've got capacity. It's COVID safe." capacity for three thousand. so she said it looks like we're going to sell out the live event as well so anyway good thank you for those that are coming you're going to have an amazing couple of days Uh, for those that i think you're coming just get on the website register because it's going to be phenomenal and uh, we'll guarantee it
0: so john on that because um i talked to nicola Um, throughout the week, and the number that I'm interested in is the week-on-week sales. So obviously we're not comparing last year's ARIC because there was no event, but when you look at the 2019 week-on-week, the sales of the ARIC 21 program is absolutely blitzing it. So to me, it is obvious that it will sell out because, John, we've always thought sellout, is a bit of an ethical bribe to get people to do things. But we learned through COVID that things do sell out. You want to go to these to show and you can't go to these to show. You want to yep. go to a venue and you can't because it's just the way that we now live in a life of social distancing. It is yep. going to sell out. I've never ever had this buzz. I mean, John, I'm getting a. Gab Rubenstein texted me ten minutes ago. He says, "Mate, got to get my Eric ticket. Who, who, who do I who do I speak yeah, to?" Right? Yeah, yeah.
1: So, well, I, so I had so the same. Then, James Costevin just texted me, and James, I reckon James could be the only person other than say me, who has been to every single Eric since it started. And I was just saying to Nicola just before I jumped on, I said, "You know that that is great." Credibility for the event and for for James because here's a guy who is has been number one in Australia for a number of years uh, and writes phenomenal figures and yet he he wants to be front row he's bringing his whole team um, to be there and that's what I love about it. I love seeing and so you've just spoken Rubenstein's texting you saying got to be there Tostevin's texting me saying I'm bringing four of my own team there looking forward to seeing you and I just think what what a great testament to greatness. Um, yeah, we always say the world's best tennis player has got a coach. Why don't you? You know, the world's best tennis player's always looking to improve themselves, but uh, no, no, it's really good. So it'll be a good, uh, good fun event,
0: okay? So that's uh six weeks away, so that's very, very close. And John, next week's podcast, I'd love to talk about that topic because I saw it as you were talking about the footy. I was thinking, you know, Maguire his team did everything right. We're talking about the Tigers. They had completed oh. 90% sets. And then he, I looked at his face at the end of the game and it was like, what else do you do? You've done everything right. And that often happens in real estate. And I want to talk about that topic next week. John, when you're doing things right, when things are going well, but when you look at that whiteboard, the listings and the sales aren't there. Often, it's, uh, it's a sliding door moment. Many people self-sabotage and they stop or they start doing wrong things where, whilst they're on the verge of success. So I want to talk to you about oh. the subject of what do you do when things aren't going your way, but you are doing the right actions. But the great news is that you're going to share with us. You went into, and I know that you often do it, you support many McGrath agents at listing presentations, but you went into a listing presentation recently and it was interesting for you. You observed there things that, you know, agents sometimes may not know are happening in the listing presentation. So you're going to do a deep dive of the things that you saw and the things that you believe agents should be aware of at listing presentations. So over to you. Yeah,
1: so a couple of things. I think it's always a fine line, Tom, between... When, when, you know, let's say you've missed two or three in a row, not 20 or 30 in a row, but two or three. And some sometimes there is a tendency to sort of throw everything out and try and reinvent yourself overnight. And other times there's people just say, "Oh, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I think you've you've kind of got to assess both ends. Sometimes you need to tweak. Sometimes you need to reinvent. Sometimes you need to just accept that those particular situations weren't the right fit for you. You know, someone was determined to do it for 1%. If you didn't match it, you're out, so I think it's a good um, tension point between the two. So, um, a couple of things. I also met up with a guy, a guy called Rob Williams. I don't know if you've met him, but he's a very lovely guy. The reason I met him is one of my top guys, Joel Hollings. And if you haven't had him on Real Estate Jim, you need to get yeah, him on.
0: I haven't, but he's a gun. He's he's out in oh. Parramatta area, isn't
1: he? Yeah, Blacktown. Black so he's right next to Tesla and actually to to, to Josh and yeah. and he's at that level. He like last month he did, for example, he did seventeen sales. Um, just wow. just a phenomenal person. And uh, one of the things I said to him is, you know, so what have you done that's changed? Because he's always been good, but now he's much better than good. He's just phenomenal. And he said to me, um, he said, oh, he said, well, I was just a li- I'd missed a few, and I thought someone referred me and told me about this guy, Rob Williams. So he said, I rang him up. I said, can you sort of, can I have some sessions with you, and can you look at my listing presentation? Anyway, long story short, he said to me, I don't think I've missed one since I've been to Rob. He said, wow. And even though even though he's been in the game a long time, Joel, he's probably I would imagine he's been doing it best part of you know fifteen years. You know he he went through a, a period that he missed a few, even with momentum, even with market share, he reinvented, and he said it's been phenomenal. So funny enough, you know, I I picked up the phone, I rang Rob, and I said, "Can I take you for lunch?" I always want to learn from people that are doing incredible things, especially when they're helping our team. I sat down, and, and Rob's an interesting guy, and he said, well, he said, uh, I was in real estate. I used to work in Genman, and I find the good Genman people are always extraordinarily well-trained uh, and good on process. And he said, then I kind of did buy, uh, buyer and seller advocacy for a while, and he still does seller advocacy. So he helps vendors pick agents, and he gets paid a fee uh, as part of the referral from the agent. So uh, it's sort of interesting. And he said, so, Johnny, so I've been on both sides of the equation, but he said, it's a funny little thing. This is going to sound obvious, but... He said, at the end of the day, the only thing a seller wants to know is how are you going to get me more money? And yet he said, agents go into, I've won these awards and these testimonials, and let me talk to you about you know, a, a two-page marketing plan, all the rest. And he said, "They all." this is the guy that taught Joel or re- repackaged Joel's um, presentation. And he said, the only thing they want to know is how are you going to get me more money? So he said, yeah. I teach people to, to, to build a rapport, connect with them, but also really articulate, make it very clear how they are going to get the more money and everything else is kind of peripheral and not that important. So that, that was really good. So kudos to, to Joel for having well, that's the insight. Golden. That's gold. That's and
0: Yeah, yeah I, I mean, John, I don't think anyone would dispute that would be the number one um, problem that needs to be solved for a vendor in their head. That's what they care about.
1: Yeah, but when you think about it, how much time do we spend, does an agent spend in the lounge room, in the kitchen, Talking about, let me tell you the five things I'm going to do that I will guarantee you, Tom, once I execute them in tandem with each other, i going to get you the best price. And mm-hmm. that's the conversation we need to have. Will it make the boat go faster? These are the five things. So that was one. Um, so the second thing was, and as one of my very successful agents anyway, this agent had missed a few again, like a lot of great agents do, reality check, um, and said, look, you know, what do you think? And I, I gave some insights. And they were going to a listing later that day and they said, you want to come to the listing? You'd like to meet the vendor and you can maybe give feedback. So it was good. So I went in and I had a great pleasure of sitting there, seeing the vendor, beautiful property. Anyway, what I observed, and, and you're often not aware of this, but I observed that there was a tendency at that meeting for the agent to try and, I mean, the industry for years has called it a horrible name of conditioning and we you know, we we call it educating which or aligning the vendor to the right price. Because let's face it, nearly every vendor we meet, almost for the rest of our lives, is gonna want some sort of a, a premium, either a slight premium or a super duper premium. And yeah. so and, and sometimes in a market like where most of us are in right now, you're actually getting that and more. So you've got to be very careful about what you're saying they can and can't get. But you know, I, I observe that there was quite a bit of energy going in to try and bring the vendors' expectation kind of down. And I, I I reminded me of the time, Tom, when you did a brilliant, um a brilliant interview with Barbara Corcoran at Eric a few years ago. And she said, you know, Tom, some some of my vendors say, you know, it's worth 10. I want 14. And she says, you know, Tom, 14 would be absolutely absurd, but let me see if I can get it for you because I'm your agent and I'm here to see if I can get you yes, an, yes, an absurd yes, price. That. It just came to me and, and and so then I, I mentioned it afterwards and I said, look, um, what I would have done at the time, if we could have rewound the video, would say, hey, look, you know, let, let's say they were looking for um, 10 million and let's say the valuation figure, the market value is probably eight and a half ish, something like that. They're not the exact numbers, but just as yeah. an example. And, and rather than say, well, look, you know, the value if we if we had a dozen valuers, Tom, here, through through here tomorrow, they'd probably put figures around the eight to eight and a half. That would be kind of the logical figure based on other sales that they're probably going to go. Um, so 10 would be a great result. And my my desire for you is to get you a great result. I have some buyers right now, assuming you do, that have got a 10 and more budget. Let me let me get on the phone to them and bring them through. So stage one, let's over the next week, let's bring some qualified buyers that have a budget that are at this or your dream price. Now, one of two things, Tom's going to happen. I'm either going to bring you a contract with your dream price on it, we'll celebrate there and then, and we'll move you to your next home, or we're going to get feedback, and the feedback's going to say, well, you know, five people that have scoured the market are saying, you know, it's really not at that level. So, you know, rather than trying to say, absolutely not, we can't get it, especially in this market, you've got to be seen and you've got to be trying to get them a price an extraordinary price so it was great mm-hmm. and and you know the feedback was well received by my agent and and you know we're sort of moving forward on, on that basis but i i do think it, it's it's sort of a trap for young players and i know it often comes from a point of great integrity people say well hang on i don't believe i don't believe we can get 10 you know and and so sorry siri came on in the background i don't believe we can get i uh, get 10 and and that might be the way but you and I've learned, Tom, because we've been in longer than most, you actually don't know what you can't get. Um, you, you often yeah. the number of number of auctions that you've stood up recently and you've had a reserve of 3.4 and it's gone for 4.8, and the vendor said 4.8 at the listing, you would have rolled your eyes and said, Look, you know, really, I think it's that's really an optimistic level. So that was, you know, I just remembered what Rob said and and that will I think, you know, for your gym members and for our podcast listeners. Just remember, really, the only thing they want to hear is how can we get you the most amount of money. Um, Number one, two is even the best agents can fall into the trap of, you know, trying to too early bring down someone's expectations when you're not actually sure if their expectations are real or not. Now, I'm not talking about someone that wants twenty million for something worth ten. That's kind of silly. I'm talking about the typical scenario where someone may want. 15% 15% more than you would have thought a value was going to put on it. That's what it's, it's like. So, John, when you say
0: that, I can think of a number of anecdotal stories of vendors that I've met socially, family, friends who clearly did not give the business to an agent because they felt another agent, and this is not saying overpricing, this is saying they were enthusiastic to have a go at yeah. that aim figure, right? And yeah. I, I I don't remember who had said it, and it comes across as being a bit cold, but there's a saying, never educate without control. And I think that you can fall into the trap of starting an education process, and if you don't have the listing, I think that you're putting yourself in a difficult spot because, um, number one, John, as you said, like realistically, no one has ever guessed exactly what the price is going to sell for. But the second thing is, I don't think anyone wants a dream destroyer working for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really important to be focusing on, you know, the positive aspects, the process. And as Rob said, let me drill into three or four things that I plan to do for you that I believe will get us a maximum price. So that was really interesting. Um, before we go, because I know we're running out of time on this week's, but I went into Aesop, you know, my favorite shop, Aesop. Yes, yes, Just go in, buy it. It's extraordinarily expensive, but don't worry because the life education, the business education you'll get out of going in there. I went in there and I spent far too much money to get, not, not that much, but it was great. Anyway, just thought I'd mention a little thing that I was looking at some, um, it's not body balm, it's like hand lotion, yeah, just kind of moisturizer, right? Yes. And uh they are just so good. What do they do? They ask intelligent questions to help refine your thinking. And this we're talking about, this is for toothpaste and hand moisturizer. We're not talking about selling houses. We're talking about that. And they ask great questions. And one of the things she said, oh, you know, this one is really interesting. And she said, when Dennis designed it, Dennis Bafetis is the uh the original founder and still today works in the business. She said, he designed it with a gardener's hands in mind. And I thought, wow, what? Oh, yeah. An incredible word picture because we all know that gardeners get very dry hands and so forth. And yet you just said when Dennis designed it, he designed it with a gardener's hands in mind. And I thought we are wordsmiths. We need to have words like that that talk about what we do, the process, the property. That's why, you know, I've spoken about Kevin McLeod, Grand Designs, go to the benchmark, you know, find out far too many agents are lazy. Their descriptions are lazy the way they articulate their point of difference is lazy, their elevator pitch is lazy, the way they promote properties is lazy. We have to recognize that words make a difference and look for words and more specifically word pictures like at Aesop that are going to make a difference. I grabbed it immediately because I've got gardeners' hands. I've got the driest hands in the country. And I just thought, wow, but just a little thing. And I walked in and she's a casual staff, works on a Sunday, at Aesop at Newtown, and she said that word picture, and that to me was worthy of, of mention. So, hopefully, people will go in and buy Aesop products.
0: So, Johnny, that shop there, the sort of stuff it sells is
1: what? So, they he originally was a hairdresser. It's a great story. And in fact, if you go in there, spend there's about $150 to buy the Aesop book, which is the, the provenance, the history. Everything about how Aesop started, and it's got all his philosophies, how he runs his company, you know, how he thinks about his products, and it's worth $150. If you've never spent $150 on a book, which is probably most, go and spend it there. So basically, he was a hairdresser. He couldn't find good enough conditioner and shampoo for his clients, so he thought, I'll start mixing it up myself. He went and he tested all the best ingredients. His clients fell in love with it. They said, this is an amazing product, and he, they said, can we buy it from you? And he said, well, I guess I could make some extra. Why not? So that happened. Then then he sort of went from there and he went into skin products. So it's basically hair and skin products. But they've just got an incredible discipline about how they do business. You know, a couple of things with their staff, they they will they refuse to make small talk. So when you walk in, they'll never say, oh, you know, what are you up to this afternoon? Or what's the weather like? Because Dennis thinks that his customers are more intelligent than want to talk small talk. Yeah. They are a great series of questions. Um, the questions lead you down a path, which is the path you want to go. So they'll say, you know, how would you like your skin to feel after the product goes on? Do you want to, you know, some people like dry, some people like an oily, some people kind of like moist feeling. So they ask you all these questions that are not typical questions. And then at the end of the day, like I said, if you, if you think your commission at 2% is a lot, I go to Aesop would be like 5% commission if they were in real estate. You know, it is very expensive product. But I believe, as a consumer, assuming that you can afford it, you go there. You have such a great experience. They give you really logical reasons. They don't overpromise on anything. They have a very understated, or what I often call, unselling approach. It's intelligent. It's sophisticated, and they've built an. Now I think it's like you know five six hundred million dollar business they've now built. It's tremendously successful, and it just started as a little Greek um, hairdressing salon. When I want say Greek, Dennis is Greek, um, ha- a hairdresser in uh, Melbourne, and he just stuck to his guns. So buy the book, 150 I give it to all my franchisees and friends and anyone that uh, hits a milestone or anything. I spend the $150. i would rather do that than a bottle of alcohol. I think they're going to get a lot more out of the uh, the book. It's really phenomenal.
0: Yeah. So John, we'll just finish on on this topic. On on alcohol, interesting conversation with, with an agent I was talking to yesterday, John. And yep. he wanted to touch on, you know, prospecting strategies, scripts, what have you. Anyway, we got into the conversation. And in the conversation, John, it became obvious he's having about 30 drinks a week. Because mm-hmm. it worked it worked out. He's had he's roughly having four drinks a day. And then he goes, yep on a weekend, I have five or six. And I said to him, I said, I can't help it. But you've been in real estate for a decade. I actually think you know what to say. I said, could it be possible? Could it be possible? I said, "You know, I want you to think about it. Could it be possible that in fact, the issue is that you don't have great energy levels when you wake up each morning, because I can't help it. I said, I know what it feels like when I have a couple of drinks and I'm just looking at the, the cumulative effect by Thursday, four, four, four. I said, could it be an energy issue more than a skills issue, right? Because I, I actually think that prospecting is not, you know, such a difficult science. It's more about, you know, doing it. Oh. Um, and um, he said to me, look, you know, I'm going to, i don't know he goes i've been doing it so long I, I suppose what i should do is give it a try without um i only bring that up because i think sometimes you can actually get used to a state and it's not until you actually you know detox that you might realize hey this is a far better way to feel you
1: know well it's, it's interesting I, I think it was a tiktok uh, little video i love those little 60 second videos i think it was michael jordan and he was saying that sort of stuff. He said, "You know, man, if you're serious, you got to practice like you're serious. You got to eat like you're serious. You got to look after your body like you're serious." He said, "Don't tell me you're serious and then go out and get wasted. Don't tell me you're serious and arrive 15 minutes late for practice and practice at half at half strength." And, and I think you're right. At standards, this industry is getting more and more competitive. Like it or not, that's yes, a reality yes. check. Um, people that you know, the, the pie is about the same size, arguably shrinking a little bit. And, you know, the, the agents are getting better. The good ones are getting better and better. So you got to go out there and do what Joel did. You've got to be prepared to reinvent. You've got to take feedback. You've got to train harder. You know, when was the last time you actually did a scripts and dialogues role play type session? When was the last time you went to an Eric or you joined the real estate gym or did something which is actually going to take your brain and your mind and your network to the next level?
0: I think one thing that came out of this conversation today, John, is you went out with someone and you're able to give them, you know, a view from your perspective. Maybe it's not a bad idea. Every so often, take someone senior in your business to your listing presentation and say, hey, let's do a regroup. Let's do a bit of a replay and analysis of what you saw at my presentation, because as they say, John, sometimes... When you're in the frame, you can't actually see the picture clearly yourself. Yeah. yeah Guys no, and girls, good. let's, let's uh, 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 wish you all a great week. There is a lot of stock coming onto the market, John, and there is still, while some people are saying, the frenzy's eased a little bit. There's so many buyers and there's so many sellers. It is a good time for real estate agents across Australia and New Zealand. To our viewers or our listeners, we'll talk to you next week and don't forget... Eric, six weeks to go.
1: Go the Tigers.